I'm Amelia Sullivan, and this is an APTA podcast. As a physical therapist educator, Alex Kozolinski knows PT and PTA school can be challenging, but he also knows that there are ways that students can be successful and thrive as they enter this profession. In our conversation, Alex gives tips and advice on how he believes students can achieve success, whether a first or a third year. Here's our conversation with Alex. Okay, Alex, let's get started by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. My name is Alex Kozolinski, and I'm currently the Assistant Dean and Director of Curriculum at South College, which is in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've been with South College for the past five years, and our program is a hybrid model where our students are online for a portion of their term, and then also come to campus for two to a two and a half week lab every term, except for the terms that they are in clinical practice. And what's your background um, within the profession, Alex? Uh, I graduated from physical therapy school at Grand Valley State University in 1996. And shortly after that, I, I, I started in clinical practice in an outpatient area and then worked with sports medicine. And um, in an effort to repay my school loans, I spent a lot of weekends working in inpatient care. And uh, that was a good experience for me. And then shortly after that, I pursued my transitional DPT degree at uh, University of St. Augustine in Florida. And shortly then after that, I then began teaching at Walsh University in the entry-level PT program, which was a master's program at that time. And then we transitioned into a DPT program while I was there. So after that, I, I left that position and uh, went to North Carolina and opened up a clinical practice with a partner, Jeff Hathaway. And we opened up a breakthrough physical therapy in North Carolina, where we were uh, practice owners and were able to grow that clinic uh, to several locations throughout North Carolina. And then uh, we had that for six years. And then I sold the practice and went to Knoxville, where I uh, started working with South College um, and, the, and, and the entry-level DPT program. So at that time, it was just in the candidacy phase, still going through accreditation. And so I've been with that model from the beginning. Wow. So you've, you have tons of experience, not only clinical, but uh, in education. So you're the perfect person for us to talk to. So, you know, today, you know, we want to focus on the student experience and setting up students for success. So it's that time of year. Students are starting back in their programs, um, whether they're getting back into the didactic or clinical portion. Um, and I'm sure with all of your experience, you have... Uh, an idea of what student success looks like. And I wanted you to think about those students listening and giving them a bit of like a pep talk, right? Um, and we'll, we'll address the current pandemic a little later on, but um, you know, just in general. Um, so thinking about those students still in the didactic portion specifically of PT or PTA school, what are some of the tips you would give to um, students as they start the school year and you know, to obviously set them up for success? Well, sure. That's, um, you know, it's challenging for students to make the transition from uh, an undergraduate or a pre-PTA uh, program into a professional program. The style of teaching and the style of learning is different. And so we have very practical application to the content. And so prior to entering the professional program, the teaching and learning style is not quite the applied application of the material. And so one of the challenges that our students have is taking what they've learned and applying it to a real life scenario that's provided by the faculty. And so right away, the students struggle with just that in and of itself, that 
they're taking content, they're not just memorizing facts and figures. And they're not just reading and highlighting and, and memorizing so that they can you know, identify the appropriate answer on a multiple choice exam. But rather we're asking students to take the content that they've learned, that they have to learn and commit to memory, but they actually have to then apply it. And so it's the application part that challenges students because it's a different style of, of learning and preparing for an exam. And our exams are, we have written exams as well as practical exams. And so the practical exam requires the students to perform techniques, but also explain or answer questions to faculty who are administering the exam. And again, that's a different style of learning that the student has to not just read and recite, but also read, recite, perform, and explain. And that is one of the greatest challenges that our students have coming into our program and what I learned in my previous experiences at Walsh University is, is that is different than the way they prepared coming into that professional program. So we encourage students to really look at the information very differently. And we give them the information, but then right away, try to get them to see how they can apply it to uh, patient case scenarios. And students, it takes a little time for them to get on board with that process. But once they do, now their pace of learning increases significantly, but it takes a little bit of time for them to really learn that process, get comfortable with it, understand what expectations are, and then prepare appropriately. Do you feel like there's any kind of trends or things that you've noticed in students who have been really successful in making that transition or being a successful student? So what we're noticing is for the students who are the most successful early on in our program tend to be those students who are the most organized with their time and can effectively plan out their study time and work through the content and work with other students before it is time for the examination. The student who does not organize themselves and finds themselves in a time crunch where they almost have to cram for the exam are those that tend to struggle. Because again, when we test the students, we're not just testing their memory, we're also testing their ability to apply the content. And if they haven't had the time to think through the content or the concepts very well, it becomes more difficult for them to try to analyze a case scenario on an exam and then understand what is expected of them on the question and see how different concepts become related. So therefore, those who are organized will be more prepared for those exams and have a tendency to perform better earlier on in the program. But what we also notice is that the student who not only organizes the time in terms of study, but also organizes their personal life in such a way that still allows them the opportunity to carry forward with an active lifestyle and stress management activities. So for example, when, when physical therapy school or PTA program, the schedules become very busy with exams at midterms and assignments and then even towards finals, it's not uncommon for students to start to trim on some of their personal life activities. So sleep is one of the first things that tend to be affected or their ability to go to the gym or exercise during or in between uh, classes, right? So the student who is organized is able to still manage to get through their schoolwork, able to manage to fit in the extra activities that they do, the physical activity and recreational activities, but also time for time to decompress, time for them to relax, time for them to eat a good meal and maintain good sleep those are the characteristics of students who are very successful early on 
And what we notice, which is very peculiar, is that when students who are not successful early on learn how to manage their time better and are more disciplined to maintain an, act an active lifestyle, eat better and sleep better, and take time to decompress, lo and behold, they end up doing better in the program. So for some students, they can jump on board right away because they're active, they're organized, and that's a lifestyle that they place high value in. But those students who come in and may not be quite as organized or quite as uh, regimented with those activities, once they do get on board with that, now they realize and they see the differences. And so those are some pretty neat experiences that we encounter in our program. And we are very intentional at helping students see that early on, but also try to model that and continue to foster those activities and that mindset throughout the program. And that prepares the student well for this program, but it also prepares them very well for clinical practice during the program and also after. And we feel those are very important lessons for students to adhere to in order to be successful throughout the program and prepares them for a successful career after graduation. I mean, any students listening to this, uh, you know, you just laid out a perfect roadmap. So uh, thank you for that. Um, but, you know, kind of rolling back to what you were talking about with not just memorizing, not just studying for the test and then moving on, really learning this content and really realizing that this is your profession and you're going to have to do this, you know, in the future by yourself and as a professional. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, my second, my next question is about, you know, preparing for your clinicals. So whether you're about to roll out on your first clinical, um, whether you've had one and you're going to go out on another and, um, you know, student success in, in that aspect, or, you know, is it kind of the same where you're just having to realize that it's not just about getting through this clinical, it's about really learning? Yes, and preparing for the clinical is a little bit like preparing for a lab exam, but there's still significant differences. So number one, for your first clinical, I remember my first clinical, I was, I was very nervous, very stressed, and it was very difficult for me to know how to prepare because I had no prior experiences and I had very little confidence in my ability. And that was challenging for me to overcome. But when we prepare our students, first and foremost, we do make it a point to help them realize that they have been successful in this program. And so they have the ability to be successful in the clinic. But there are very specific things that they need to be able to do. So it's very clear that the student needs to know some basic techniques. They all need to know how to do basic examination components and to do them, but not just do them on a person who has normal health and full ability, such as a classmate, but do they know these techniques and do they have the skills to actually perform them on somebody who is ill or somebody who is hurt? It's a very different experience to place a goniometer on somebody's arm or somebody's leg where they have moderate to severe pain and they have very little time to actually position the goniometer and take that measure. And that can be challenging for the student right away to be able to actually do a, a clinical procedure on somebody who has a lot of pain and the student knows they have to get it right, get it right the first time, try to not irritate the patient. And so when we encourage our students to practice, we want them to know that it's not just, can you do this technique? Can you do that technique? Can you do it well enough to know that when you have somebody's limb in your hands that is very painful and very apprehensive to movement, are you confident enough in your skills to do this quickly? Are you 
assured enough that in your handling of that person that you're going to give them the support that they need and maintain proper alignment positioning. And so we ask them to practice in such a way that it's not just uh, look at a picture and say, oh, I know that, watch a video and say, oh, I've done that and walk away, but to make sure that they can role play with their classmates, somebody who is in a lot of pain. And for that patient or the person who's role playing that of a patient to actually be very intentional about, ouch, that hurts and give that feedback. If the fingers are digging in a little bit more or there's not quite enough support and the mock patient feels like they're working harder than they feel that they should. So it's important that there's modeling that goes on within the student body and faculty will help with that too. But if the students don't practice in that manner, it's very difficult to be prepared for the first day of clinic. And now for a quick break. The U.S. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is about to impose payment cuts that reduce patient access to PTs and PTAs. Congress must act soon, and your voice matters. Take action by visiting apta.org slash fight the cut. Now let's return to the show. A theme that I'm kind of picking up on here uh, is confidence. So now let's think about the student that's not feeling so confident, uh, whether right now or at some point in their career as a student. Uh, maybe they haven't learned to study and learn this content like you mentioned uh, before, uh, and it's just kind of surviving school, not so much thriving. Uh, what advice do you have for those students? I think it's very important that there is group interaction among the students. I think the students need to be together. They need to be able to communicate with each other in such a way that they are each other's support system, but also they're each other's critic. They need to be able to trust that the person they're studying with will truly help them prepare for an exam, but also prepare not just for an exam, but prepare for life as a clinician. So in study sessions, it's not just the ability to go over notes and do some self-quizzing, but as a physical therapist, whether you're a physical therapist or a physical therapy assistant, we are in continuous communication with people, whether it's our colleagues or patients or other healthcare providers, it is talking all day long. And so if we aren't in the habit of speaking about what we're doing, it becomes very difficult for us to become comfortable with our knowledge and then confident in our ability to convey our message to the person we're speaking to. So when students are working together, it's important that they take the time to challenge each other, to explain concepts to each other. And for the person listening, to give that feedback on how did that sound? Did it sound appropriate? Was the tone and voice inflection appropriate? Was the content accurate? Did, was there any wavering in the voice? Was the body language appropriate as well? Did they look confident with a good upright posture looking at the other person or were they looking away? So there's a lot of ways that we can encourage that but the basis of it is the students need to practice that right from the beginning. You know, for example, we have students in our program right now who are in their first quarter. They don't go to the first clinical until the beginning of their second year in the program. But right away in the very first quarter, we already have assignments for the students that require them to speak and explain their answers to faculty. And these are part of their assignments. So even though the clinical experience is a year away, we are already introducing this idea to them. 
we are already explaining to them how to work together in a group so they have effective group interaction. Review their notes together, challenge each other with study questions together, but take it a step further. Make each other explain concepts such as anatomy. They can surely explain the anatomical components of a body region to their, co to their partner, to their study partner. It's gonna happen in clinical practice. They're going to have to explain to a colleague or a patient or even a referring provider about what they see in their experience with that patient. And therefore, if they aren't comfortable talking about it in PT school, it becomes more challenging to speak to it in front of somebody else who may have a lot more clinical experience than they do. So we encourage students to be very good study partners and very good friends, but they are colleagues going through the program together and be intentional on your practice, but also be thoughtful in your feedback. Give that feedback, even if it may be words that they don't want to hear. You don't have to be harsh about the feedback, but be very genuine. Remember, you're in this program together, you're working together, and you can be successful and build each other up and prepare each other for your clinical experiences. And if you can do that right from the start, my goodness, that first clinical experience, it is so much easier to speak to your clinical instructor, speak to a patient, and even to another healthcare provider affiliated with your patient's care. But if you don't take the time to do that early on, it's so much more challenging, and that makes it a very stressful experience, and that then impairs performance. And I think we can be very intentional about this early on and make that clinical experience successful right from the start, not just wait till the end. To, to your point about really um, utilizing your community, so your cohort or whether you're, or your faculty or your mentors, um, you know, thinking about the student who's still in the classroom portion, uh, they're a few weeks into school and they're kind of like overwhelmed you know, in the beginning, you talked about really this is a different style of learning. So what if someone's kind of struggling with that? What would be your advice to that student? Well, there's a lot of very effective ways to study and to learn. And so I think one of the ways, what we would encourage our students to do and our faculty help with this is to self-evaluate their process. How are they learning? Are they just reading the book, reading their notes, highlighting, and then walking away? So that is one way to study, but there are other effective ways in addition to that. You know, there's something called concept mapping. Can a student take what they've read and actually make a drawing where they would illustrate whether it would be an image that they would draw, which could be easy in anatomy, or maybe it's a process where they have uh, the specific steps and maybe a physiological mechanism or a cascade of events. Can they draw out on a piece of paper each of those steps along the way, okay, from beginning to the middle, all the way to the end. And if they have read, a, you know, for a few minutes, a paragraph, or even for 30 minutes, or studied their notes, can they step away from that and right away do this concept map, okay? What about the ability to take what they've just read, turn to a friend or somebody who, a family member or a loved one, and just simply explain what they read, but in layman's terms. Okay, which tells you that number one, they understand what they read because they explained it, but it's a higher level of learning to take it in medical terms and then explain it in layman's terms because you can then make that association there and now explain it to somebody else who can then understand it. So those are different ways that you can try to learn. 
And at first it may be very frustrating because it's not as quick. It takes a little more time to stop what you're reading, stop what you're studying and draw a map, the concept map. It takes a little bit of time to stop what you're doing and then turn to somebody and explain what you just read or what you've just been studying. So it may seem like it slows down the pace of learning. And that is true that it slows down the pace, but what it does is it increases the ability to retain the information and improves the physiological mechanisms of actually recalling that information. So in the end, they may have taken a little more time to study, but several days later, they have better recall of the information. So it's worth the time because the end result is better. And so those are important ways, but also self-reflection is critical in the process. Students need to take the time to self-reflect on their process. So at the end of a day, they're done studying, they should stop what they're doing, don't move on to something else just yet, but look back on their day and find out how well did they prepare themselves? Did they accomplish their goal for the day? And if they did, how do they know? Just because they read a chapter, does it mean that they understood the chapter or understood the concepts? We're gonna remember very much about that chapter, but if they can give themselves some self questions, some quizzing, right? They can quiz themselves or another classmate can quiz them on the material. That's another way to know how well do they absorb that information. So it's a way to determine if they were effective in their study time. And if they were effective, well, wonderful, that's fantastic. And they've accomplished their goal. But if they weren't effective, should they move on to something else or do they need to revisit that material the next day? And so that self-reflection to challenge yourself to identify if you are on pace or not on pace with what your plan is will then help you prepare for an oncoming exam or a class coming up or completing an assignment because you know if you've accomplished your goal and accomplishment is not just time-based. Just because you spend a few hours reading something doesn't mean that you achieve the goal of learning the content during that time frame. And so those are very important components that in the beginning, whether it's a physical therapy program or physical therapy assistant, it's different. It's a different style of learning. It's a different style of testing because we're expecting the student to be able to apply their knowledge to real life scenarios. And so therefore have to have a good handle on the foundational knowledge first in order to do that. And so different ways to learn, but be very clear on how to test yourself and be very honest in your self-reflection on if you've achieved your goals. So moving on just a little bit, and you have so much experience as an educator, um, and so you've seen many, many classes of students come, come through your halls. Um, so what are some things that you wish students knew about PT or PTA school? Well, that's a very good question. And coming into PT school, and I'll speak as a, a, a physical therapy educator, not a physical therapy assistant educator, but in my experience there, students come in uh, being very much goal-oriented, high achievers. They really want to get the highest grade possible. And so they do that by really studying hard for the exam. But what I don't see so much early on in, in the student experience in the physical therapy program is that they're focused on a written exam or lab exam when faculty are really trying to get them to focus on the patient exam, right? What we want is for them to learn the material to such a degree that they, they show competency in school 
but what matters is how well they apply it to a patient. And so the challenge for a lot of students coming into the program is that they feel the need to study to get the A, and they just focus on the material given to them without enough thought about how the content fits with other courses, so how, it, how they can integrate anatomy plus physiology and the patient examination, or a plan of care that they would develop, that there's not as much integration of thinking about the material that they studied in one class, applying it to how the material that they're learning in other classes and pulling it together, and taking time to try to understand how it all fits. And that's the part that many students don't do because they're so focused on reading and learning and studying for the one class and that one class exam that they don't take time to step back and try to see how content from this other class fits into the class that they're studying. Because ultimately, yes, we want them to do well on their paper exams, but if they struggle to see how all this comes together, it's going to be very challenging for them to prepare themselves for conducting a patient exam. And so we really struggle in the beginning to help students kind of step back and not be so focused on getting the high A for the exam, but taking that content, understanding it to apply it. And if that means they get a lower A, well, that's okay. They're still doing well, but the focus needs to be on the patient that they're going to see in the future, not on the written exam that they're gonna take at the end of the week. Wow, okay, so let's build off of that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about burnout. Can you comment on burnout in the PT community and especially, you know, thinking about students? Absolutely. Burnout is a very, it's a very big concern for faculty, especially right now with all the stresses that are going on in, in the world with the pandemic and in everybody's personal life. But burnout, we have the ability to prepare ourselves in such a way that we reduce the risk of, you know, of getting burned out with what we're doing. So burnout is essentially fatigue, emotional fatigue to its peak. If students are able to maintain an appropriate lifestyle that allows them time to step away from school and have health and wellness, then that helps them to mitigate the risks of developing burnout. So burnout's gonna come when the student is so focused on their school and that they, they focus, they have a high level of focus on their material and they start to decline in other areas of their life such as their sleep and their diet and their physical activity level. So there's a physiological response that's going to happen that leads to this burnout effect, but we can offset that in many ways by helping the student to maintain a work-life balance, okay? And work-life for the student it work is their life as a student and their study time, but there's life after that. So we are helping our students understand that, yes, they are in a very demanding program at the time, but clinic life after school can also be demanding. And if they don't establish routines and a healthy lifestyle in school, those habits are going to follow them into their profession. And so they can certainly have some element of burnout as a student, but also enter in uh, a time of burnout as a clinician as well. And so the research is very clear that if you maintain the appropriate sleep hygiene that you need, 
if you maintain the physical activity guidelines for exercise that the Department of Health and Human Services advocates for, if you have a, a good diet that has the right food that promotes memory and concentration, then you're going to reduce the risks and add to that the ability to perform stress relieving activities such as 478 breathing and meditation, progressive muscle relaxation, even other things such as yoga. Those can all be very effective ways to reduce stresses. And that changes our hormone levels and our neurotransmitter concentration so that it then helps to maintain a very healthy, uh, healthy body and healthy mind and reduce the risk of burnout. And so if students can do that during their experience in PT school or PTA school, they can surely carry those habits into clinical practice. But the other thing that we need to, to really give some time to is, you know, there is burnout, which is the emotional fatigue, but then there's also moral injury, where the student experiences this, uh, this significant letdown, that they build themselves up so high that I'm in PT school, my career is going to be wonderful, this is gonna be great, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing, and then they graduate, and then they get into their clinical experiences, and maybe it doesn't turn out to be exactly the way they envisioned. Okay, so perhaps their, their, their clinic procedures are not quite the way they like it, or maybe the patient volume is higher than they want it, or what they have to do in terms of being a physical therapist and type of patients they treat wasn't exactly what they were dreaming about when they thought about their career as a physical therapist. And so now they can have significant letdown and so they've had these great dreams and these great plans, and now they're not exactly realizing them where they are. And that can also lead to disinterest in their profession. And so therefore, moral injury is another component of this to the point where the student who is now a professional now has lost their drive, their career drive that they had before therapy school, in therapy school, and now they're in their professional life that they no longer have that, that inner drive to continue because they're not experiencing the professional life that they expected. So burnout is a very real thing. Moral injury is also a very real thing that can happen to young clinicians in clinical practice. But going back to, and I probably sound like a broken record here, but again, if, if we can maintain a healthy work-life balance and be committed to maintaining sleep hygiene, diet nutrition, physical activity, and stress relaxation methods, that is a very healthy way to reduce the risks of actually experiencing burnout and preparing our body each and every day so that we perform to the best of our ability. And it'd be amazing to a lot, it's amazing to a lot of students who aren't practicing this early on in our program, when they start to get into this habit, it's amazing to them and wonderful for us as faculty for the student to realize, wow, this is so much different than what I was experiencing before. I wish I'd have had this mindset and this, and this lifestyle early on in the program because it would have been a much different experience. And don't you think it kind of just, uh, you know, it all trickles down, right? So like when you do graduate, you become a clinician. If you're not taking care of yourself and your burnout or you're unhappy with your job, you know, you thought it was going to be one way and it's another way. How are you going to take care of your patients to your best ability? No, it's interesting you say that. I'm sorry to cut you off, but because that was just the presentation that we gave to our students this week. Okay, so they're in lab, lab is busy, 
there's a high demand for their time, their energy, their attention, and it's all time-based. They start with this particular course on, on a Sunday afternoon, and now they're carrying forward. They finish on a Friday afternoon, and at the end, there's a lab exam. And if they're not preparing themselves during class or doing what they need to do after class, by the end of the week, they're emotionally drained. They don't have concentration, their memory is lacking, and they're emotionally spent. And so now they get to the exam and they just cannot recall the same facts and, and techniques that they spent several days doing. And we as faculty watch them do it. We've seen them do it and do it well, but now in the exam, they're exhausted, completely exhausted, drained. They have very little left to give and now they're frozen. They cannot recall things they were doing. So again, if they don't take care of themselves, how are they gonna take care of somebody else? And that's very much the case. And we try to promote that to our students on a regular basis. Okay, so let's acknowledge that we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, right? And from my many years at APTA, I know that PT and PTA school is stressful. And uh, now let's add a pandemic on top of that. Uh, so do you have any insight on how you think current students can navigate the moment that we're in? Well, these are challenging times, as we use that term many times already. But there have been a lot of changes to campus life and program structure. We know that there are a lot of programs in the country, PT and PTA alike, that have gone from a, a live classroom session, live class lectures, and live class labs, now to a hybrid model, or even to a fully online-only model. And that change alone, you know, for many students was something that they surely did not want. And one of the reasons they may have applied to that program. And so now that they're in a new phase and they have very, they don't have a choice in this. And this is something they have to do. And so how are they going to adapt to the situation? And so I just want to give a little bit about what the experience has been from us at South College, where what we find and we're told from clinical instructors that clinical instructors tell us that students in our hybrid model, that they spend time online for two thirds of their term and they go to campus for essentially less than a third of their term for lab. But our students continuously for the past six years, we continue to get the same report from our clinical instructors. And they say that our students are professional in their actions. They have good communication with this clinical instructor, with the student, with their patients, and also with other healthcare providers, and their interpersonal skills are very strong. Now, how does that happen if you spend most of your, of your term online, right? And so you would expect that all of those elements would come from live interaction, face-to-face -face interaction with students and faculty and students with other students. While we do it give our students that exposure when they come to campus. But we continue to promote that in the online time. And so all programs, whether they're on ground or in a hybrid model, or even strictly online model right now, all students can still have that same outcome if they're intentional about it. And so what I encourage all the students to do is to, while they may be attending lectures virtually, and while they may be doing some labs virtually and all their assignments virtual or written and submitting online, that they still have the ability to interact with their faculty. They still have the ability to interact with each other. And that's critical to their ability to develop the communication and interpersonal skills. So I really encourage all students to make the time 
to work together on communicating and developing those skills. So that's very important. What I also encourage all students to do is to not lose sight of their goals. What are their career goals? Just because we're in a pandemic today does not mean that they don't have the opportunities that they envision for themselves when they graduate. And so they still have to hold tight, adhere to those goals, and when times get tough, have to revisit the dreams that they've had and put that in front of their mind and may that be their motivating force to carry forward with a process that they may not be very excited about, but can still be a very effective learning tool for them to get to the point where they can achieve their goal upon graduation. And then in addition to that, whatever their goals and dreams are, while this is a time where there's significant change, it's an opportunity for them to work very diligently at learning how they can be the professional they need to be so they're prepared for those experiences. So for example, if their goal is to work in a very particular clinical setting with a particular patient population, what can they do right now to prepare themselves for that experience so that when the time comes, they are already prepared, not step into that opportunity inexperienced and struggle, and then may not realize the dream that they have had because they didn't prepare themselves for that moment. And we do recognize that there are some students in some programs that are having a difficult time of maintaining the timeline to go from the start of the program into the end of the program. Very difficult right now for some students to get their clinical experiences. And so they may be delayed in their graduation. Well, during that time frame. That's an opportunity to take the added time that they have that they did not plan for to learn more about what their dreams are and explore opportunities for them through podcasts such as this or other apps or interact with other healthcare professionals or just simply reading more about that very thing that they want to do as a clinician. Take the time to learn when you have it so that you're prepared when that time comes because the time will come. But the question will be, when that opportunity comes, will you be prepared for that? So take advantage of those opportunities, explore other avenues, because there is a great future for our physical therapists as a profession and also individually, that there will be many opportunities for us in just a few years that may not quite have been there just a few years past, because the changes related to COVID are now changing the way we practice. So telehealth is now becoming much more common and prevalent. And now a few years ago, telehealth existed, but not to the same degree it does today. So how can we learn to use technology to enhance clinical practice and enhance, enhance patient care? Those are opportunities that can be learned now in a hybrid model, in an online model. Learn to be comfortable with technology. Learn to be effective in your communication. Learn how you can utilize or leverage the technology to show techniques, to explain your findings, to evaluate a patient. There are ways to do that. Or what about opportunities related to community health? Community health is not new to us, but now that we have you know, our entire nation, and for the most part, much of the world, has had a change in their lifestyle. Social distancing, safer at home, travel mandates, 
many people are now working at home and not able to get back in the community to fitness centers, to, to their parks, to their community activities that have been put on hold because of this pandemic. There are going to be a lot of health problems that evolve from that. A lack of activity is going to lead to other health conditions, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, arthritis, that are just because of a sedentary lifestyle that has been in, imposed upon our nation. But also when people do get back to activity, there are going to be a lot of folks who are not ready for activity and end up with the very traditional and very custom uh, return to sport type injury or overuse. And so therefore I expect, and many people like me do expect that there's going to be a tremendous increase in the need for physical therapy when this pandemic comes to a close and we can ease back in and transition back to a lifestyle we're so familiar with. And when that happens, are the students who are ready to graduate prepared for that? Because there are so many ways that we as physical therapists, truly we can treat people in a clinic, but are we prepared to treat them and educate them in the community and develop programs that would be effective for them to return to sport? or specialty type programs that can address arthritis alone or other impairments or diseases that, that people in the community have had that have gotten much worse because of a new sedentary lifestyle. And then even those who actually had COVID, what about their health and the challenges that they are experiencing with their, their decline in pulmonary function and their joint pain and the limitations and their overall just their overall health and decline in health and the challenges they have of getting back to a lifestyle that they know and that they want, that they had prior to being ill. And so those are ways that we can interact with the community. And I would encourage any physical therapy or, or a physical therapy assistant student right now to think about how they can develop community programs that can be an outreach, that can reach out to the community and give them opportunities to get involved in programs that were not present even just six months to a year ago. There's a tremendous need for that. We as a profession are uniquely suited to help people in the community to improve their quality of life and to help them prevent the onset or the progression of many illnesses and also to help them to manage many impairments that they have whether it be orthopedic, neurologic, or simply chronic pain, okay, which is no laughing matter, not very simple in and of itself, but we have so much knowledge and skill that we have the ability to reach such a broad audience. And now is a great opportunity to learn how we can do that. Technology and programming, communication, those are critical components to our profession that every PT and PTA student can work on right now that can prepare them for those experiences when they graduate. And imagine what the impact they can have in their community when they step forward and have the confidence and the skills as a young provider and be confident and give a good message and develop a program that people enjoy and benefit from. Alex, that was wonderful. And I mean, for me, words that are coming to mind are resilience and grit innovation and creativity um, and really if today's students who you know become future clinicians that approach their work with things in mind like access and creativity and innovation 
like you're saying, uh, we're really going to thrive as, as a profession. Um, okay. So last thing for you, uh, and you may have said some of this earlier, but what are your hopes and, um, what do you envision for today's students, you know, in the future of the profession? My message, my hope for our students today and our healthcare professionals for tomorrow is to realize the potential for being primary care providers for healthcare. Primary care providers for healthcare. Now, it doesn't mean that we are going to be prescribing medication, ordering imaging, and, and working in the capacity of other uh, primary care physicians and nurse practitioners and, and physician assistants. That's not my message. But my message is this, is we have the ability to step in front of the community and share our knowledge so that they, the community, can understand how they can live a better lifestyle that helps improve their quality of life, helps them reduce their risk of developing diseases or the diseases or impairments that they have helps them to offset some of those problems and slow the progression. Right? We should be the first choice for a patient with an injury to come to a physical therapist first and ask for our knowledge and expertise to understand what happened to them and help them develop a plan of care that helps them get back and return to a quality of life that they have had and maybe even better. So I want our profession to recognize the, the great potential we have to step forward into the community and have the community recognize our knowledge and skill as a primary care provider for physical therapy services, but also for health and wellness. We can give a lot of advice on nutrition, a lot of advice on pain management, a lot of advice on how to change the lifestyle that leads to higher anxiety and depression. We have such an opportunity to reach the public. And I think right now, we're only just starting to realize that and get out there. But I want everybody to recognize the potential is there. Now, right now, there's just a lot of talk about what healthcare reform is going to look like. We have no idea what's coming down the pipeline and what it's going to look like at all. But what we can say as physical therapy educators and even healthcare providers, that we have shown over years and years of our profession that we have the ability to help many people recover from many impairments and injuries and return to a way of life that is very productive. But what we can also say is simply our involvement when we are involved early on in the, in the care of a patient with back injury, with a shoulder injury, with many injuries itself, that we can actually speed up the return to function. We can decrease the risk of the person going onto disability and we can even save significant dollars in healthcare that can lead to a cost savings across the country for the nation, but also on an individual level as well. Reduced medication usage, reduced imaging costs, uh, fewer surgeries or quicker recovery after surgery. We have the ability to reach the public and do this, but we just simply have to step forward and continue to show everybody what we are capable of. And I really want our students right now and those who are getting ready to graduate to understand the importance of that we have a voice, we have knowledge, we have skills, and we can help a lot of people. But we have to be the ones to step forward and tell everybody what we are able to do. 
interest them in what we're saying and show them how much we can help them. That's where it's going to start. Right now, we don't know what healthcare reform is going to look like, but I can tell you this, if we can actually step forward and show each community our knowledge and skills, then healthcare reform is going to revolve around physical therapy, not revolve around medication, DME, or surgeries. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's quite an honor and a delight, and I appreciate your, um, your including me in this conversation. Want to connect with other students? Follow the APTA student member social media pages, which you can find on apta.org slash social media. For those of you who would like to engage and get involved, we encourage you to reach out to the APTA Student Assembly Board of Directors by visiting apta.org slash student board. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. I'm Amelia Sullivan. Thanks for listening.